Yo, what up? It's the Nizza from Demon Scar, and you're listening to the greatest podcast on earth. Backstage with Spike on Anchor FM. Crank it! Al pastor me echó una gringa. Más lechuga, la pechuga, muslo aquí, muslo acá y papa. A la francesa quisiera comer más de esa, pero está más buena la hamburguesa. Ella quiere un king de polla. Su chilito no la llena. Traiga un caldo, pasta al peño, un espagueti al albañil. Trae un trío de macanita y tráete un combo para mí. Pero mira nomás que tortas, oh, se ven tan deliciosas. Cubana o hawaiana, sin chile y sin cebolla. No quiero comer más que tochichota o pincho a la española. La de Sanders más discreta y no revela su receta Están muy buenas sus garnachas pero quiero echar bailón Quiere su chorizo en papas o en barras de camarón Sandwicha, sandwicha, sandwicha la chichona 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 Well if you're hungry for some baloney and you got puns that you wanna show me Open up wide, you can eat this Oscar Mayer that's really bony I wanna get down in the Ajujubees and I think I'm gonna flick them Your titties all smelling like chocolate chip ice cream And I think I wanna lick them I got some hot people that rock up All right, everybody, welcome backstage with Spike. This is episode 47, and I'm excited. I'm finally uh, getting to talk to somebody I wanted to talk to for a while here, a band called Residual Self. I'm here with uh, one of the founding members. I'm here with Rex. Rex, what's up, brother? Hey, how's it going? All right, how are you doing? Pretty good. You guys, you're up. You're coming out of what? New Haven, Connecticut, huh? Yeah. So you're freezing up there or what? A little bit today. Yeah. Yeah. So is that like, I mean, I remember when I used to be up north and like, you know, you, you'd be, you'd have like gigs lined up and stuff. And then like, you'd get like four inches of snow in the forecast. You're like, shit, that means me, you know, nobody's going to be showing up or you'd get eight inches of snow and then like the place is closed. So like, yeah. what, what, what's the scene up there by you? Is, is there a good happening, like healthy uh, club scene? Um, Right now with winter and COVID, it's been kind of dead it's starting to pick back up now so hopefully by spring everything's going to be booming again like it used to be okay but um otherwise yeah because covid i know has got everything shut down across the board but everything i'm in a restaurant business that's affecting that too um but otherwise you got a pretty healthy scene up there right if it wasn't for that oh yeah the hard rock and metal scene up here is amazing otherwise really so I'm, I mean, yeah. I was, I'm from New York and New Jersey originally myself, and you know that was really happening down here in Florida. It's it's pretty thin. You got to go like I mean, where I'm located, you got to go way out. You got to go to North Naples, Fort Myers, that area, um, and it's limited. It's not like widespread. There's maybe a handful of like heavy metal clubs. Yeah, yeah. I noticed now. I was talking with a couple of people like Abby K, and I was talking uh, my last show I did with uh, Lonnie Hammer from Hammer Down Hard. These guys are in like Memphis and Nashville, and I'm shocked that there's a hard rock metal scene there. I always pictured that as, you know, bluegrass country, and they're like, no, man, it's rocking with heavy metal and hard rock. I'm like, wow. See, I was you. I would think the same thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I mean, people, Abby Kay, she relocated the whole band there. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah, they got a, they got a, a, a house that they're renting and all. I'm like, holy shit. I never would have thought in a million years that that would be like a go-to place. I mean, I picture New York, L.A., you know, places like that. Yeah. 
I got to ask you, where did you come up with the name? I love the name of the band, Residual Self. How did that come about? Since I was young, The Matrix has always been my favorite movie. Cool. So when I was finally going to front my own band, I named it after The Matrix. So Uh Residual Self Image is how Neo appears in the movie. Right. And how I just took Residual Self and applied it to the way I write and the way I think. A lot of our songs deal with bringing out the primal essence of people, whether it's good or bad, you know, whatever it may be. We want you to unleash your emotions, unleash the beast inside you or the human inside you. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, because I noticed you, um, like in your bios and stuff, you have about uh, monsters and stuff. I know, like you're saying, there's, there's the true self inside of everybody, right? Yeah. That's really cool. So what's the average age of the band then? Like, you guys are fairly young, right? I just turned 28 in November. All right. Um, Josh is turning, I think, 30 or 31 this month. And uh, Sasso is also over 30. Okay. So, yeah, so you guys are young then. I mean, I'm, I'm 57, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the guys in my crowd, if I go on tour again, it's going to be host, It's gonna be sponsored by Metamucil, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's nice to see the younger guys in it. A lot, a lot of uh, interviews I've been doing, everybody's been, you know, 40 and plus, you know. I haven't, I mean, besides from like Abby Kay, um, it's good to see like, you know, younger guys playing. Um, I do notice, though, there's some uh, bands out there, like Camilla Band, like they got a whole, they're across the uh, the whole spectrum of age. There's like, you know, Acom, which is like around my age. And then they got Felix, you know, their drummer who's like in his like late 20s, like you, you know, it's like they don't seem to care about age, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, if the player's good and you guys click, I mean, you make great music, you make great music. Right. It right. doesn't really matter when it comes to that. Yeah. I mean, I feel it's weird though because I'm, I'm a different, um, I came from a different school. In other words, you know, I like things polished and finished and my son's band, they record here in my studio. And it's like, you know, I'll hang out with them and have a beer, but I got to learn to shut my mouth because they do things totally different than me. They're playing with single coil pickups and they don't care if the guitar is humming for, you know, 30 seconds till I actually start playing. I'm like, you're going to cut that out, right? They're like, no, why? I'm like, dude, that's driving me fucking nuts. You know what I'm saying? I can't stand that, that who cares attitude, you know? Uh, everybody has their own style when it comes to recording and uh, maybe along the lines it'll change. Yeah. But again, that's my fault. You know, I should learn like that's their thing. And it's like, I'm like, mm, I'm chomping at the bit to say something, you know, it's like, I got to learn to shut up. <laughs> oh man. So I got to ask you a question. Who's the two girls that you guys have like recently in all your promos and stuff in your videos? I mean, they're awesome, but they definitely, they look just like, t- I, I think I'm, a, I mean, they're trouble. You know what I'm saying? They ooze sex and trouble <laughs> is what I get from it. On the cover, the girl in the purple wig, that's my girlfriend. Okay. She's been in all of our music videos so far, too. Very cool. Um, each music video has had a different girl in it so far, right. and on the cover is also a different girl with her. So what I like to do is try and take, like, all my hot friends and put them in these videos. <laughs> <laughs> hey man sex sells it does <laughs> without a doubt but i i just think it's i mean that, that just it's perfect it's really good and it's not over the top it's not vulgar you know what i'm saying it's sexy it's and it's cool and yet it looks dangerous you know yeah so um who's in your current lineup right now right i mean you got the it's you josh and dave right yes how long you guys been together how'd you guys meet 
Um, actually, it was Dave, the drummer, who got us all together. Um, I was playing with Dave in a hippie jam band at the time. Okay. Which it's hysterical because both of us just we don't really fit into the hippie scene. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I started writing like my own songs and showing him because like we became really good friends throughout it, you know, being the rhythm section of a jam band. Right. He started to really like what I had. So I would bring these songs to open mic nights that he and his brother used to run. And Josh was a guitar player who used to do stuff there too. Okay. Um, Josh and Dave went to high school together and they were friends. So then we got Josh along to what we were doing, and here we are. Very cool. So how long ago, how long, like, I know she put out your first album in 2018, but that was with different guys, right, or no? That was all me on those ones. The holification singles okay. were all done by me on my laptop. Oh, so that is all you. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, we started playing together as, like, a fully formed band in... 2017 and uh we've just been working on making songs in the studio as we go um we traveled to cleveland in 2017 and made an ep of a few songs um the songs that we uh made that made uh a cup for an ep okay was beast king and hex of rex which all tell you more about what happened with those songs later on. Okay. Um, the next year we went to another studio here in Connecticut, which was called Dexter's lab. Okay. And we love Nikki Belmore. He plays with D Snyder right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's a phenomenal producer. So we worked with him to create another EP, which had queen fiend and a few other tracks. I love that. song. I love that track. So go ahead. <laughs> Oh, thank you. It's one of my favorites, too. Like, that came out so well. I think I used it as my intro on my show maybe twice already. I love that song. So, yeah, we started working with him, and it was just going so well. So we decided to work with him again the following year to create another batch of songs. Okay. And then during COVID, when we couldn't play, everything was closed. We decided that the best thing that we could do was go back into the studio and take our favorite songs and remix them and remaster them all with Nikki Belmore. Okay, yeah. And so all the songs we've been recording for a few years, we finally just put it on down to our favorites, and there's our album. Very cool. So for the most part, you guys do go to a regular studio to record. You don't do it at home, right? Or do you, do you maybe put like uh, your basic ideas down at home? Do you, do you do that at all? I create my own demos of songs. Okay. And then they basically just go crazy with it. They don't like the fact that I make everything slow. Right. And they're like, no, this can't be 90 BPM. We're going to have to change this to like 135. <laughs> yeah, you like to drag add it, in yeah. more guitars. Like I'm going to add in some double bass here. And it's like, all right, guys go wild. I mean, yeah, yeah. This is just the idea I had. I mean, so yeah. I go to you. <laughs> I, like back in my day, you know, I would say, come up with a song and I would have my little cassette recorder and I press the record and play button and record me playing the guitar, then bring the cassette, you know, to like to rehearsal and say, okay, here's what I came up with. You know, but now it's like you could actually like in your bedroom or on your laptop, you could almost like give a whole full blown production of how you want the song to go to present it to them, you know? 
absolutely. I just make some MIDI drums for like what I'm feeling. I record my own guitar tracks and the bass tracks and vocals, and then just be like, you know, here's like the foundations, however you guys want to roll with it. If I think it fits, it fits. So do you guys get along though pretty much? Like in other words, you know, like when you present something to them, do you are you cool with um like how they want to interpret it or change it? Or you know, are they like, you know, you dude suck. That blows. We don't I don't like that. You're you're cool with that, right? Or you know what I'm trying Absolutely. to say? Some guys like when they come up with something like this is the song, either we do it or we don't, you know, they don't want to change nothing. Denied. I, I love when people tell me now where they don't like something. Right. You know, this is just my perspective. Right. You know, the general audience all has their own mindsets too. Right. So when we all just go back and forth on what each of us likes or doesn't like, nope. it really helps the song come together more. Yes. Yes. Again, and it's honesty. Like, you know, I collaborate with some other people too. And like, I like when they're like, you know, dude, that, that, that bridge that you made, that sucks. I can't get behind that. Okay, cool. You know what I'm saying? So this way, yeah. I know when you tell me, dude, that's freaking awesome. I know you're not blowing smoke up my skirt. You do like it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because you've told me on other stuff, you know, oh, dude, that's horrible. I like that. Be honest. We used to like, again, I'm, I'm pretty much doing things by myself now, but do you guys jam it all? Do you come up with ideas for songs like that? Or, or are you like the main songwriter and then they rub on it? I'm the main songwriter. We okay. get together once a week in practice. Okay. So there are times where like I won't make demos on my laptop and I'll be like, yo, this is just something I came up with. It's like an EAG. Um, however you guys want to work with it. This right. is what I was thinking. Okay. And they just listen to it for a bit and then go, all right, let's, let's try and hash this out. So then we'll work on it for like a month or two. Right. And then it'll come together on its own. Right. See, to me, though, it's a double-edged sword because when you're working alone, you know, it's like you have total control of what's going on. You just, you do it. Whether it's good or bad or whatever, you do it. And other times, though, when you're with other people, though, then you have so many opinions, you can't get nothing done. You know, it's like, trying to explain this better like like you'll go in the studio and i'll be like you know hey rex listen i got this idea but i don't know where to go from here and you'd be like all right you know what maybe we could go to this you know let's drop it down to b flat and do this and it helps other times you guys are in the studio and it's like everybody's got a different idea and nobody could agree on what you should do so now like a dog chasing his tail nothing gets done because nobody could agree on anything you know yeah luckily we don't really have that issue that's cool yeah, every time we go to the studio, like, no matter who's producing us throughout the years, it's always been the same thing of like, wow, you guys really know what you're doing. You you don't really need us to guide you on how to end or start a song. Like, right, right. We already have it put together. And it's like, yeah, that's, well, that's the worst, the especially, especially when you go and record to go and record and you're like, the song's not finished. Like, so now you're sitting there, whatever you're paying, one hundred, hundred and twenty five dollars an hour. And you guys are sitting there trying to figure out how to end the damn thing. You know, that's just insane. It is. And I, I can't believe there's people who uh, like would pay that amount and not have the song finished yet. Yeah. I mean, you go and be ready to go. I mean, we used to rehearse songs, you know, five million times. And then was when we went in, just you, know, you blow through it. If somebody missed a note, you fixed, you punch into one note and that's it. Otherwise, it's good. It's done. It's great that you can just punch in now. I couldn't imagine recording <laughs> on tape back in the day. Jesus. Well, we punched. No, you had punch in back then, too. You did. Yeah. But you have an engineer to do it for the most part, you know. When I used to go, we used to go to, um, in Brooklyn, we used to go to, um, shit, Systems 2 is our favorite studio to record at. And we used to do 24-track recording. It was like $125 an hour with the two-inch tape. 
And, you know, those guys were amazing what they used to do. It's, I, we couldn't believe how they used to do this stuff. And they were just yeah. punching in, punching out. It was, it was incredible. Cut the tape. They would actually cut the tape. They would stop it, wheel it back and forth, cut it with a razor. They had that special um, shit like, um, like a template. And they would put the tape on it, cut it and tape it and put it back on the reel. It's like, holy shit. It was so cool. So cool. Yeah, yeah, I would love to record on tape one day and just experience that. Yeah. But you wouldn't want Everything to pay the money we paid back then. What are they getting now when you go to Swift? I'm not being rude because I'm out of it, the loop for a while. What do you pay roughly to record an hour? Um, it depends on the studio. What do you charge you by the project? Um, usually charged by the hour still. Yeah. Um, it For me, usually it ranges between 30 to 80 an hour. Okay. And then for all mastering, there's a flat fee. For yeah. Per song, um, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then the more songs you bring, the better the discount. So, oh, yeah. It's always better to bring a few than just one or two. Yeah, just go and do one or two at a time. What I used to hate, and I've, I've spoken about this in other shows, um, what used to infuriate me more than anything, we'd have four or five guys. So you got three, so it's a little bit better. It's a tighter knit group. When you got five, you got five opinions. And we would do stuff. We would listen. You know, I mean, you know what it's like. You rehearse a song 80 million times. You record it a bunch of times. You listen to it back in post a million times. You mix it down. You master it. All this crap, right? You must have heard the song 8,000 times. You're ready to make a bunch of demo tapes, a bunch of cassettes to hand out. And then you get one guy going, you know what? The second verse, I don't think I like my guitar part. I think I want to redo it. Like, are you out of your fucking mind? You know what I'm saying? We spent oh, yeah. thousands of dollars on this crap, and now you. Then the drummer's like, "Well, if he's gonna do that, I don't like that drum break I did." Are you insane? And then you ask these guys, "Are like, well, you're paying for it?" You know, they're like, "I ain't got any money for that." It's like, then we're not redoing it. You crazy? Yeah. Oh God, used to drive me insane. Yeah, I don't think I could work with more than what I work with right now. Maybe one other person, but yeah, even that. And just to get, that's why it's good though, too, if you have a producer or somebody that's going to sit there and say, no, here's what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? And, and stop the, the, um, the arguments that would go back and forth like forever, it seemed like. Yeah. So listen, before we get too far gone, I want people there that aren't familiar with you, I want them to hear your music and people that know you, I'm sure they're chomping at the bit to hear something on the show. Um, okay. I'm going to play Mistress of Pain. Tell, tell me a little bit about that. What's that's the idea the- behind that song? That's the lead single on the album. Um, basically, it's just describing a uh, mistress of pain, you know? She uh, basically infatuates everyone with her charm. And before you realize it, you're trapped. And uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I'm sure you have experience with that. Sure yeah. Hey. Man has experience <laughs> with that. Yep. You're like, wait, what happened in my life? I used to be cool. I used to go out and do things. Now I'm just stuck in this web of her and her grasp very cool it's like that bad relationship that you can't get out of or you don't know if you even want to get out of it you know yeah all right we're gonna play mistress of pain check this out
Oh, yeah, Mistress of Pain. So I got to ask you a question. I love, 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 love the recording quality you guys got off of this last album, Revenge. Um, Now, tell me, where'd you record that? What studio was that done in? That song was done at Dexter's Lab in Connecticut. With it was. Belmore. Okay. Yeah. And is this this is um have, does this have anything to do with uh, Slip Trick Records? Yes, that is um the label we signed with. Okay. Uh, during twenty twenty one, um, basically, as I said before, during COVID, we took all our favorite songs and went to the studio with Nikki to remaster, remix them, clean up some things that we did in other studios. Okay, yeah, that's and, what I was going to say. Not to cut you short, um, but so when you said that he remixed and remastered, but you did record them at other studios, the different songs, correct? A few of the other ones, yes, we did. Okay. Because together, like, it's, uh, I don't know, it's homogenized, like, perfectly. Like, it sounds like it was all done in one session, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, his work's phenomenal. Yeah, like, really good. songs that we did there um not all of them were during the same sessions either they were somewhere like a year apart oh wow and he was able to even match them perfectly with different instruments different drums like his work is fantastic very cool no that's really cool because it's hard especially when you're going from different studios different mic placements different drum sets different settings and then to try and make it all sound cohesive like it's one piece of work you know what i'm saying yeah, and then with the fact that it's all digital, too, if you try to, like, open up somebody else's files, you're not going to have all the same plugins that someone else has. So it's like, right. all right, what was this? Wow. Dude, that's really cool. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I do all my recording and stuff. I mean, that's what I do. So, I mean, I could appreciate that fact of it. You know what I'm saying? we, I have a new thing coming out that we collaborated with, like, nine different people, and everybody's sending me their stems, and it's totally recorded you know one guy to the next is totally whacked out different than what the other guy did you know what i'm saying and i'm trying to yeah. make it sound what i call you know homogenized so it's at least it sounds like it's in the same realm of a recording you know yeah it's totally. really really hard but that's really really that's really cool what do you enjoy more do you like playing out or do you like hitting the studio better i like hitting the studio okay me too for me, it's those recordings are always going to live on no matter what. Right. When you play a show, it's not always going to go the same way. Right. Some days, you know, a lot of it for us when we play live shows, it depends on the energy and the mood that we're in. Some <laughs> days we'll play these songs fast as hell. And other times we'll do it at the album speed. You know, it's whatever we're feeling in the moment. You know how it is. Yeah. Got, like, you know, love and stuff definitely you're like all right i'm feeling this tonight let's let's power through this man yeah yeah so if you do play out though you have a favorite place in connecticut you like there's three in particular that i love okay so i can't just give you one all right for me it's gonna be toad's place which is pretty famous uh the rolling stones have played there ted nugent's played there a bunch of great acts have been there right right um that place is just amazing to play. The stage setup is phenomenal. The lighting, the sound that you just hear from the stage resonating back. Yeah, you got a sound man that actually likes his job, right? Oh, yeah. The sound booth is really high up, too. So it's really cool to see that guy just looking back at you. <laughs> um, and it's even better when, like, the crowd will, like, cheer for encores. Like, hearing all that and, like, right, seeing that right. crowd, it's great. 
Um, the other place that I really enjoy is Cherry Street, okay. which is in Wallingford, Connecticut. Um, that place is an amazing little place. They uh, particularly cater to just hard rock and metal. Okay. Like their back patio has like little gargoyle statues and like all other things. It's right next to a train station too. So like once you hear like that train horn, like very cool. Yeah. It's great. And the cool part about that place is they're original only. They will not book any cover bands. And if you play a cover, even as an original band, they will cut you off. Really? Yeah. They only support local and just original. Very cool. See, back in my day, for the most part, first of all, you weren't getting paid unless you did covers. If you wanted to do originals, then you don't get paid. You know? Yeah. And that was the everybody doing the Van Halen and all that crap. Those are the guys making $500 a show. Guys like us, tch, you know, we had to scrape up nickels just to buy our beer, you know? Yeah. You know, hopefully we get a good percentage of the door, you know? Yeah. Yeah, if they're honest, I remember that crap. Do you, they, we used to do tickets back in the day. We used to print up a bunch of mock tickets, and you know, you'd hand them out to all your friends. And for every one of those that were turned in at the door, you got a dollar. So fifty people showed up with your tickets, you got fifty bucks. You know, that's a lot of how things work up here still. Okay, still the van things don't change. Yeah, Toad's Place specifically does that. So then, what you said? What's the third place you like? The third place I like to play is called Main Street Tavern. And that place is uh, in Stratford. They um, have you bring in your own sound system, too. Okay. So that way you're always in control. But the built-in crowd there is phenomenal. Um, a lot of It's right next to a brewery, too. So a lot of people who get out of work from the brewery like to stop here. Oh, wow. And there's just great traction. It's right next to a train station, too. So once again... That crowd at night, you've always got a crowd there. And people are always interested in talking about your music, listening to you. It's, it's great. Very cool. Did you ever, you know, it's funny just talking about that when you mentioned this, you, I'm picturing in my head when you're mentioning these places. Did you ever watch on YouTube, did you ever watch the show House of Strombo? I have not. Oh, dude. Go on uh, YouTube, hit up, um, okay, you know what Power Trip was, right? Yeah. Okay, look up Power Trip, House of Strombo. It's this guy, again, I'm not 1,000% sure, but he was like a, um, he was in the music business, whatever, and he used to have bands come to his house, play down in the basement, and then invite like, you know, 150 people to show up. So there's like, you know, Power Trip is playing in this guy's basement, like the singer's head is just about hitting the chandelier coming down, and... It's like 150 people just crowding and hanging out around the property and down the basement, listen to them just jam. No sound, man, no nothing. Just, you know, everybody just plugged in with amps blasting. It's like a big house party. It is so freaking cool. Yeah, that sounds it. Oh, I miss days like that. We used to do that too. You you know, you wind up, you know, when you had a band when you were young, we were like 16, 17 years old, and somebody's having a house party. Like, dude, would you come and play? We'll set you up in the backyard. And you'd have like five, you know, I don't know, 50 kids hanging out, you know, and just like you're just cranking away till the cops came. It was so much fun. Yeah. I've done a few of those myself back in the day, those ages. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, everybody's just drinking it beers is. and hanging out. But then you get some clown, you know, who's like, you know, throwing up on your amplifier and all that type of shit. You know, you got to deal with it. Yep. Everybody thinking that that's your new coaster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely. So I want to ask you, because, um, again, you're a younger generation than me, and I notice a lot of this stuff going on. Um, 
like um I know you guys are with you know Slip Trick Records and stuff, and you guys got some vinyl out. You're putting out you know actual albums. How are the sales with that like? Is that like really catching on? Like albums and cassettes? Is that coming back big time? But you know your age group or no? More people in my age range and younger are loving vinyl. Really? But then like CDs are obsolete. They they like the whole retro fad. It's, it's right. back. And I guess it makes sense. You know, a lot of the um, vinyl records now they usually come with like an MP3 download, and they're going to want it on their phone anyways. So that's what I'm seeing. So we're going to be working with a company in Brooklyn. Okay. And these are going to be one-off vinyls. We're going to record live, and then that's going to be pressed onto a vinyl. Very cool. So each recording is going to be unique and specific. Wow. Okay. So they're basically like audio Polaroids in a way. Right. Is the best way to put it. Very cool. See, because I I know, you know, everything is cyclical. It all comes back into fashion again, you know. Um, But I just didn't think that that many people were getting back, like, like, especially like us, like indie bands, you know. Is it worth it to, you know, put out like, you know, 100, you know, records or, you know, put out 100 CDs or 100 cassettes? You're saying that people are digging it, huh? I am. But not the CDs, right? CDs, it's... I think... The the vinyls, if you're going to be playing out live and have a, like a little merch booth, the vinyls are going to be better for you. That's pretty cool, yeah. though. I never would have thought that. Yeah, even if you do like little like seven inches for like a single. Right. If, you know, if people aren't going to go into the studio and record a full album, because right now, I mean, a lot of it from the digital market, too, with the streaming services. Right. As I'm sure you know, it's all about the single now. Sure. You know. So if you bump out a single like each month compared to an album once a year, you're going to get more traction because it's always something new. Right. Which is what so I've been like, doing with my music. I've been not to cut you off. Um, I've been putting out, I put out singles, you know, for Spotify and iTunes and all that shit. And then when I get about eight and nine of them out there, then I take them and put them into a compilation album. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do and it. And then you just go back doing singles again. And and a lot of people, like, I notice a lot of these bands are like, we got to, you know, they're so, like, into putting this album out. I'm like, dude, that's just being nostalgic. You know what I'm saying? That was my thing back in the day. We got an album out. Dude, put the singles out. This way you're always in, you know, um, in the algorithms. And then when you get a bunch of them, then just put it together as an album. But if you put out an album, it's one event. It has eight songs, but it's one event. And then two months later, everybody's forgotten about it. What else you got, you know? Exactly. That's why the single format's the best. And I think if people started to press more seven-inch singles for vinyl, okay. that they'd uh, be doing better. So even vinyl is saying, yeah, and just sell them at, like your shows, right? And have a merch table and just sell it, right? Yeah. It's amazing how, like I said, I'm, I don't know, roughly, I know I keep on bringing up the age thing, but I think it's very interesting how, like, I'm like 25 years your senior, 30 years your senior, and a lot of things have changed, but yet a lot of things have not. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like certain things just don't change. It's true. If the so, format is, isn't broken, you know, don't fix it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that's something, though, too, is like I've brought this up on the show. This has been a lot of uh, topic of conversation a lot of times before is like, you know, like with Spotify and shit, people are like, oh, they should be paying us more money. We should get more per stream. Dude, they're not. You know how saturated the market is now that we could all record at home and do what we're doing? I mean, it's completely oversaturated, and that's why I think it's so hard for musicians to try and break through. Like, right, you have to really want it and really pursue it. Just you know, posting that you released a song on 
Facebook or something or Twitter <laughs> exactly. isn't going to get you anywhere. Right. You're Your three friends from high school you're still in touch with and not going to help you get over the top. Yeah. All right. So, Rex, um, Body and Bones, awesome song. Um, what'd you got? What, what, what's the story behind that? Um, to me, that was from the perspective of a man who lost his loved one. She died and he couldn't cope. So to compensate, he started to conjure through dark magic, finding ways to bring her back, no matter how far he will take it to lose himself in the process. He will go to any lengths. But then it comes down to, does he take it too far? You know? Okay. So it's all about perspective. And you did a video to this one, right? Yes. Any um so like as far as the videos go, is that just is that you guys? You got any production company or who They're does your all videos? done by me? It is you. Yeah. Wow. Basically, Very cool. I uh, got a few cameras. I set them up on tripods with a clicker. Right. Then I just get into frame once I have it set up. Play the song from my phone in my pocket. Match it up. Very cool. And then just splice it all together. It's brilliant. Technology is so great these days. Yeah, and like you know, it's funny. Like so, I mean, obviously the cameras cost you money. All this, this, this technology costs money. But to me, for it's a one-time purchase, you know. Yeah. And then you guys do it. Other than going to other places where they do it for you, and they, you know, they gouge you like unbelievable. And you have full control of how you're doing it, what you want to do. And if you mess it up, you could do it again a hundred times, right? Absolutely. Very cool. All right, we're gonna listen to Body and Bones. Red 
Hey, uh, gonna ask you a question. What's your okay. favorite guilty pleasure? Like video games, eating chocolate. Like, what's your deal? What's what, what, what's your favorite guilty pleasure that nobody would know about? Uh, realistically, I don't think I have any guilty pleasures. I'm proud of everything I like. Okay. So, what could you tell us then that nobody would think that you know, dark vampire Rex, like he likes to do? Like, what do you like to do in your spare time? Not music. Um, besides music, I really do like to play video games. All right, cool. Um, Get over here. Read comic books, watch movies about you know Spider-Man and other things. Cool. Star Wars is like my obsession in life. Star Wars, yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. You know, you, you find inspiration in all those things, too, for, you know, writing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny, like, back in the day, I would watch, you know, um, you know, Knights at a Round Table or something. You're like, oh, there's a cool idea, you know, at Knights and Swords and all that stuff and the Crusades. It is a song, you know? So what would you say is your favorite, I mean, like, your genre of music, like, what do you mainly listen to? Um, I usually listen to stuff like The Smashing Pumpkins, Alice in Chains, okay. Godsmack, Rob Zombie. So then what's something what's something of not that style that you like? Like, would it be... This one throws everybody off. I am a huge Taylor Swift fan. Wow, really? I love Taylor Swift. I own all of her albums and all different variations of it. Very cool. See, you just hit a thousand, man. That's what I was getting at. Like, I knew you must have had something that like people were like, wow, really, that guy? Yeah, every once in a while, like, there's people who come to our shows that exclusively come because every once in a while we do a cover of Taylor Swift, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together. So cool! That's freaking awesome! So, like, we'll be drinking at the bar before our set, and, like, people come up and be like, hey, man, you think you can do Taylor Swift for us? It's like, ah, uh, all oh, right, man. Yeah. That is so funny. 
back in the day, like when I was with my band Attica, we used to do, remember George Michael back in the day, the song Faith, Gotta Have yeah. Faith? We did a heavy metal version of that. Nice. And, and we'd start out, we did it the regular way. We tried copying as best as we could. And people would be like, whoa, boo, what the hell is this? And then we would break into, you know, our version of it. So that's cool. I love that. Yeah. Definitely. I got one more for you. Okay. Not, not related to music. What would be your dream job or your dream occupation? What would you love to do? I would love to be a voice actor. Cool. I would love to just bring characters to life doing like shrek movies you mean stuff like that yeah like all different like cartoons and stuff like be like the voice of like spider-man or like a sith lord for star wars just doing like voice work cool so do you do you do impersonations um not necessarily as i said because you said you did you know i'm gonna make you do one right yeah (laughs) i usually just like to bring my own voice a lot of the times actually even when i go into studios like I will play a clip from like a character I enjoy that has like an effect on it. Yeah, Be yeah, like, yeah. Yo, do you know what this is? And can we do this to my voice? Right. And they're like, all right, play it back. So they'll play it back like two or three times ago. All right, it's this, this, and this. We're going to add this on your voice right now. And they'll be like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, Nikki actually saved one of the uh, ones for future use because he loved it so much himself. He's like, oh, I. I'm going to have to use this on, like, other recordings, too. It's like, this is good. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the fun. character from Star Wars. Dude, that's fun, because we used to do that, too. We'd always, we'd go in the studio, and you'd get, like, the drummer would come up, and he'd start doing Mickey Mouse, you know, hello, kids, and all that. And it's like, and then you get carried away, and you realize, like, we just wasted, wasted 25 minutes, you know, everybody's screaming into the mic trying to do the impersonations, you know. We're just having fun with the effects. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah. Voiceover, cool. Yeah, effects are so cool. Like, even when we play live, um, I run two microphones. I use one that's clean, and then the second microphone that I have pointed at that microphone, too, okay. is uh, running an overdrive and a phaser. Wow, very cool. Yeah. So what do you got, like, the two mics just taped together on the stand? I use two different microphone stands, and then just point the mics at each other. Okay. So it creates, like, a little v effect where then i can just put my mouth there very cool did you ever try the the hardest thing to do is like i love to play with a pitch shifter so when you talk when you play it back it sounds like you're talking like you're the devil like super deep but try and put that effect on live while you're talking into the headphones it's impossible to make a statement yeah i couldn't do that you can't do it it's like i do i love when people in the studio like dude that's really cool i'm like all right Try and do it with it on now, and you can't do it because it just makes you start slowing down how you're talking. It's like, it just totally messes you up. Yeah, I, I can't do it, man. Try. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I love It's funny. Like, what you're saying, you guys are doing the studio, man. I was doing that 30 years ago. It's like, it doesn't change, man. It doesn't it's change. Great. Music's going to be around forever, and uh, people are just going to keep creating. Well, boys will be boys, right? Oh, yeah. And again, I'm 57. I still act like I'm 12. I'm, not, I'm hanging out with my son's friends. You know, they're in their mid-20s and stuff. And it's like, you know, I'm hanging out with them like I'm, uh, you know, like I'm 20-something years old again. It's just, it just comes <laughs> out of you. Oh, yeah. So what's your immediate plans like? What do you guys got working now? Like, uh, you work on another album. You get getting ready to start playing out live. Like, what, what's, your, what's your immediate plans? Well, 
for right now, we have the U.S. release for Revenge. Um, it's going to be sold in stores like Barnes & Noble, Walmart, FYE. That's going to be out on January 14th. So we're starting to book more shows for lining it up with the U.S. release for okay. Revenge. Um, and then in February, um, getting back on the vinyls, we have two songs that didn't make the cut for the album. Okay. That we're going to be recording for these vinyl sessions. Yeah, so... That was pretty much it. And then just, once again, booking more shows for uh, the springtime. So now when you say, like, okay, I got a twofold question here. You're talking about, though, so the tour now, is this uh, the record company's got you guys lined up with gigs to promote, you know, the album? Not yet. I think COVID is still putting a strain on what we can and can't do. Yeah, it sucks. So we're going to be playing locally, try to hit New York and uh, Massachusetts on top of Connecticut. Right, like the tri-state area, right? Yeah. So when you say U.S. release, though, you guys have plans, though, for a European or U.K. release? Um, It's already out in Europe. Okay. Yeah, it came out on April uh, last, last year, 2021. Okay. In Europe. And then uh, U.S. is getting its distribution this year. Oh, okay. So do you have any plans in the near future? Maybe you think you might go overseas or you don't know yet because of COVID, I guess, right? We still don't know from COVID. I was hoping it was all going to be done, but now it seems like it's picking back up again. Oh, yeah, it is. So that sucks. Hopefully we can get over to Europe because we need to play there. Right, right. Yeah, a few of our friends' bands have uh, done some tours in Germany and when they came back, they keep telling me that I need to get over there just because everyone out in Germany, they support everything. Even if they don't know what it is, they will come out and check it out. Oh, you know, they just eat it up. They devour it. Whatever it is, bring it on. Yeah. Uh, I'm friends with Eric Jake from Wild Street. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's done a couple of... They they even went on the cruise. They did this, like, Swedish cruise um, tour. It was pretty cool, you know, and... um these guys are just touring monsters. They are everywhere and anywhere they could play. They're the, they're there. They just book it and they play. Yeah, that's great. I want to get on a cruise. I'm oh, too damn. old. Like I said, I'm too old for that shit. There's no way I could be doing this. You know, 145 places in 245 days. No thanks. No yeah. Way. But that's really cool, though. Um, like I said, though, it's it, it's good when like one of the things I think is really cool is like um. Like, again, I don't know how you guys do it because, you know, with the record company and stuff, but, like, I run my whole uh, Spotify artist page and all that stuff. And Spotify is cool because it shows you where people are streaming your music, you know? Yeah, so, I love that aspect. And it's great. Aspect. So, like, the old days, like, if I was, like, out touring, I'd be like, all right, well, besides here, let's go play there, let's go play there. And it's like throwing a, you know, hit or miss. Now you could actually look at it and say, as far as, like, me in Florida, you could say, well, we got you know, 30 people streaming us in Plant City, and we only got 12 people, you know, streaming us in Miami, but we got 140 different people, you know, streaming us in Jacksonville. It's like, well, that's where we should go do a gig, you know? Yeah. We're not going to go do a gig in a place where there's like zero people streaming our music, and it's really cool. It gives you the whole, um, uh, you know, dynamics of where it's coming from, the demographics, you know? Yeah. It's, it's very useful tool. to help artists. Right. Very, very useful tool. And I don't know if a lot of people actually like paying attention to that, but they should. I mean, back in the day, we would play, you know, all the clubs we could in Brooklyn. And then, you know, somebody would book us a gig at the Stone Pony out in New Jersey. 
or we go to, you know, the right track in and it's like, you know, you show up and there's like three people there on a Wednesday night at two in the morning. You know, it's like, what the, what the fuck? Why do we play here? You know what I'm saying? You didn't get paid. Yeah. We rented a U-Haul. We came all the way up here to play in front of three people. That's including the sound man and the bartender. It's like, what a waste this was. But then when you look at like stuff here, like on Spotify, you can actually see that, you know, wow. And, you know, in Parsippany, New Jersey, we got a lot of people listening to us. Let's book a couple of places there. Yeah. And then the best part is with that, too, because um, it partners with like Songkick and I think a few other ones where you, when you book shows, you can link it to there. So now people in that area will even be alerted, which is even better for you. Very cool. People really need to jump on that artist for Spotify. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I mean, back when I was younger, I mean, I mean, I know I'm dating myself and people listen to my, my show regularly. Um, you know, I'm repeating myself, but it just it, it still blows my mind how, you know, back then, like I said, we would record something and we'd make a cassette. Uh, and you'd have, you know, you used to go in the studio and they had the 12 cassette players where they recorded 12 copies at a time to put all the masters on the cassettes. And then you'd hand them out and then you'd make flyers and then you'd get starch and water and mix it to make glue. And you'd go around, you know, pasting it on your lampposts and dumpsters and brick walls to try and get people to come and see you play. And then when they came to see you play, you'd have the girls walking around trying to get people's like phone numbers so, you know, you could call them the next time you're playing and say, hey, just so you know, you know, the band's playing at this place. If you want to come down now, you do everything. Just I mean, like Spotify, you know, it's just it's one stop shopping. You just do it or one stop advertising. And it's like everybody knows about it, you know? Yeah, it's wild. I mean, we really have we have what we call street teams where you would get your girlfriends and the cute girls to go around and tell the guys, oh, if you come to the next show, maybe I'll hang out. You could buy me a drink. Blah, blah, blah. And that's how we used to bullshit to get the guys to come, you know? That's how I uh, still do it, you know, <laughs> getting back on you know, the girls in my videos and on the album cover, you know? All right. Um, I do photo shoots with them, too. And then I uh, make my own stickers. Cool. I print them out. I cut them myself. Then I uh, plaster them up places with a QR code so you can watch the videos. See, and, yeah, uh, QR codes. That's just a spin on it, but yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, people are just like at a uh, crosswalk. You know, you can't walk yet waiting for that light. Yeah. You see uh, some uh, nice pieces of ass with a QR code. You scan it. There's my music video. <laughs> So see, but we didn't have that back then. You just had to hope that hey, that girl, man, that she took my phone number down. I think she likes me, but and he would tell eight of his friends to come and they go to the next show. You know. Meanwhile, you broke up with that girl by then. You know, saying she wasn't even there when they came to the next show. Your uncle Louie was there. You know, with hair on his knuckles. Hey, you guys are gonna come to the next show? <laughs> no, here you're doing the same. It's it's again, it's tweaked a little, but it's the same principle. Yeah, yeah. And keep doing it. Just keep plugging away. That's how you do it. And a lot of people like, while we're talking about this now, I know I'm rambling on here. I'm about uh, seven shots and about six beers in. But, uh, yeah, you got to – the social media is very important. A lot of these bands are like, we got a new song coming out. Listen to it. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? You got to keep pushing this shit. You got to make sure people know we got a new song out. We got a new song out. We got a new song out. We, got, we have T-shirts. We got a new song. You got to be in their face and keep doing this. Yeah. Plus, like, they also have to realize that there's different time zones. Like, yeah, you're posting it at three o'clock your time. But <laughs> what about the people in California? Exactly. Or somewhere in Europe? Like, right. It's a completely different time wherever you are. So you have to figure out what time zones you have to get the most engagement 
And if there's any like tags or things that are relevant to what you're doing right now to boost it more. Right. A lot of the algorithms like to hide things now just because, you know, hey, pay for our advertising so we can keep social media, this free app going. Right, right. Free. You got it. See, you you got it. You know what you're doing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. but you and you got to keep plugging away it's that it's when you finally go you know what is this all worth it man i should just enough of it i'm tired of this shit that's when you got to keep going that's yeah. when you got to keep going you can't stop and again keep pushing i'll be honest it's um again i've said this before in a million times people listen to my show i apologize i know i repeat myself but hey i'm an old man i repeat myself um I know I'm not going to get rich doing this. I know I'm not going to become famous. You know what I'm saying? But I do want people to check out my music. And the whole reason why I do this is because I love to do music. But it's becoming now where I actually spend 70% of my time promoting my music than actually making it. You know, if that makes any sense to you. It does. I'm, I'm spending more time on social media and doing... I mean, I'm semi-retired. I, my friend at his restaurant, you know, two nights a week, I'm pretty much retired so i'm in the studio all goddamn day i'm drinking beer going in the pool you know hanging out two in the afternoon doing these shows getting fucking drunk and but this is how you get it popular i know bands that are phenomenal but they have no following because they don't they don't push it they don't promote it and they really need to do that and then you talk to them like oh who's got time for that shit well then dude you're not gonna get anywhere to be honest with you like we said in this saturated market and, and then you also have to keep reaching out to people like individually. Like we have the technology now where, you know, everyone's going to see your message in your pocket, you know? So it's better to just go direct, like reach out to people directly, message them on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or something. Be like, Hey, we have a show coming up here. It'd be great if you come out. Like, yeah, just because you posted that you have an event and you shared it and someone likes it, that doesn't mean that there was really any engagement there. Right. Like, it's all about engagement and traction. Like, connect with people. So, like you said, traction. You could easily lose traction. The moment you stop, you know, if you if you keep pummeling it and keep putting it out there and pushing it, the moment you stop or take a break, you start losing your traction. You got to yeah. keep it going. You can't say, uh, you know, for another week now, I can't be bothered. I'm taking a break for a week. Dude, you lost so much ground that you started. You got to keep it going. You do. And the other, the other thing that drives me nuts is um, everybody fudges. We know that. It's true. Oh, yeah. It's the nature of the beast. But these people, like, uh, you know, fudge what's going on or try to sound bigger than they really are, larger than life. It's one thing, but they start believing their own hype. That's what's bad. These These bands that know that they paid for numbers they know that they paid for streams they know that they paid for um uh youtube views and then they're like hey look at us we just hit a thousand views in th- three days and blah blah and they actually you could tell when you start talking they believe this shit it's like dude you do know you're fudging this shit and you should like take a little reality check you know what i'm saying yeah th- there should be some kind of legal recourse when it comes to like paying for bots like because it does i remember um few years ago there was uh this guy who did like a performance piece where he paid for all these bots to give him numbers and make it look like he was something and then he booked these stadiums not a single person showed up yeah because there was no real people yeah yeah and then he marked it as a performance piece to show that it's all just fake yes and now he actually uh 
has a following. I forget who it is, though. I can't remember the name. Yeah, I know. I, I know. I, I could picture his face, too. I know what you're talking about. It's not cool. I'd rather have a legitimate 300 followers a month on Spotify than a fake thousand. You know what I'm trying to say? And yeah. I, I originally started out with, you know, my original singer. Uh, we were doing like blues and mellow stuff because I forget my age. That's what people want to do. But I'm a heavy metal guy, you know? Yeah. And then we did a couple of heavy metal songs. And the heavy metal songs were like, you know, a thousand streams to like 50 streams of the blues stuff. So now I know people like the the metal stuff I'm doing, which I actually enjoy doing. So then when it comes to the actual songs, I don't need you to start saying, hey, you know, Spike, I screamed the shit out it all night last night. Don't do that. I want to know what really, you know, people like and don't like. So then I know, okay, keep doing more like that. Keep going in that direction, you know? Yeah then you know what your real demographic is and how to proceed further. Right. Right. Exactly. So dude, let people know um, you're on social media. I know for a fact, but like, are you on everything? Like, um, you know, are you on, uh, you know, uh, Facebook or all of that stuff or what? Yeah. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash residual self. Um, Twitter is at Rex residual self. And it's the same thing with Instagram at Rex Residual Self. Okay, cool. Very cool. So, um, you handle all social media, or like, uh, do you have like, uh, like different? Like, I know a lot of bands, like you know, the drummer he handles, um, you know, he handles Instagram, and I handle Twitter. Are you running the show with all that stuff, or is somebody from the record company doing it? I handle everything, and then I have um, a representative from Slipchick Records on the Facebook page who just just oversees things. That's cool, yeah. But yeah, everything else is just me. I mean, it's hard when uh, my drummer is uh, has a two-year-old and has another one on the way right now. <laughs> God bless. There and, you go. Uh, my guitar player is a tattoo artist, so he's constantly doing that for his own artwork so right falls on me to do everything for the music which is fine by me yeah yeah very cool so listen i want to thank you so much for being on the show i had a blast and like i said i've been i've been a fan of music for i mean you and i've been following another on uh twitter for at least two years a year and a half two years um yeah i'm glad we finally got to do this it's funny because some of the people like it's like I don't want to bother people, you know. It's like, do you want to come on my show? You know, like, I don't bother people. You know, I'm afraid they're going to go, oh, you, you have a show? What's that, you know? Um, so by the time I finally get around to asking, it's like, you know, oh, I'm glad you finally asked me, you know? Yeah. But uh, I'm glad you said yes. I'm glad you came on. Um, Absolutely. I, I love what you guys are doing. Keep doing it. Keep plugging away. Thank you. All right. So, Rex, thank you so much again. And uh, we got to have you on you got to come on the show again. Just so you know, I have your phone number now. So um, other people who are um, in the uh, backstage with Spike family know you may get a phone call maybe at 2 or 3 or 4 in the morning one night when uh, we're drunk and we're just looking to talk to people. So I may wake you up out of bed one night. I hope that's okay with you. Hell yeah, do it up. <laughs> I'm going to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> you, can always, you can always you can always mute the phone, but we'll see. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Uh, This was Backstage with Spike, episode 47. Be good to one another out there. Be kind. Peace.
like litter and trash Don't go kids to cry Try to mend what's left of her Holy crap's inside